everybody, and welcome back to the Peak Mindset Podcast. I'm Jenna Hussein, and today I have with me Luis Aguilar. Luis is uh, my salsa director, and he's um, been directing the salsa team that has been such an inspiration for me. So I'm super, super excited for this episode. Luis, welcome. Thank you so much, Jenna, for the opportunity. It's great to have you here, Luis. Luis, I'd love for you to introduce yourself for the audience. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Um, and thank you for taking the time to tune in to this uh, incredible podcast here with uh, Jenna Hussein. My name is Luis Aguilar, and uh, I am a 15-time international champion, uh, dance champion, uh, won a couple dance titles um, in 2010 and 2012 were the most uh, impactful years uh, as a competitor in a career uh, where is very, very uh, saturated, but with thousands of talented and incredible dancers around the world. Um, my, my, I am from Central America, Nicaragua, um, and relocated to San Francisco, grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, loving music, loving culture and the arts, and hence my passion and love for what I do. Louis, amazing. How did you even get into dancing salsa? Oh, this is in, this is a great question. You know, I always I always think about you know uh, growing up as a kid. Uh, I music was around me. My both my parents, mom and dad, always played beautiful music, uh, boleros and danzón and and son. And you know, my brother, my sisters as well were a big influence as well in the inspiration for. Uh, becoming or learning the dance form of, of salsa, uh, which is very universal uh, nowadays. Uh, so my passion for the dance comes in after, you know, I, they, there was a, uh, an impactful, uh, life-changing experience that, you know, I was going through in life and I wanted sports. I love baseball. Uh, I wanted to, my dream was to become a major league baseball player. And unfortunately, I sustained a pretty significant injury and you know it was a an ACL rupture of the right leg a right knee and you know my father always played this beautiful music by this incredible musician and, and, and artist Hector Lavoe who is an extremely popular uh, musician uh, from Puerto Rico who relocated to New York City to start his uh, his journey as a musician um, and my love for the dance is when, when I started listening to this song that, that he would sing, it's a very popular song. It's uh, the name is, uh, Todo Tiene Su Final, Everything Has an Ending. Uh, so during this time of, you know, this injury that I was, um, we completely put a, a complete emergency break on my life and, and, and on the goals that I had set for myself. I kept listening to the song and the lyrics of this this song were just so inspiring and, and motivating that I said somehow, some way I have to go out and, and listen to more of this music, which moved me inside and in my soul. And, you know, this is where the love for, for salsa music begins. My brother was already involved in the dance scene and he said, uh, let me take you out to this club, which was Cafe Cocomo uh, here in San Francisco. 
And that was the life-changing experience uh, for me, uh, just to see the elegance, the how classy, how beautiful the music was, and how beautiful people were uh, communicating through the art of dance is was the inspiration. So this happened in two. I want to say, I want to say two thousand is when I initiated my career, uh, or you know, got familiar with the dance of of salsa. Wow, Luis, that's awesome. And what were those early days like of learning? You know, those early days were were very different, I'd say, in comparison to the days now, uh, where now we have a lot of social media where content can be pulled at any point. You know, there's information everywhere for anything that you'd like to do. Um, in Salsa back then, the only things that we had were dance congresses and thousands of incredible talented dancers so you know the scene is so different now in the sense of you know we would travel before to different different cities different states to learn from uh different uh teachers from around the world and we made it a point to to be present at the congresses where these uh big names like, you know, uh, Yamule, like Osmar Perones, uh, Nelson Flores, Frankie Martinez, Eddie Torres, uh, just to name a few, were, you know, were the big names at the time, and we wanted to learn from them. So traveling was the only option. We didn't have um, YouTube, or we didn't have an Instagram or Facebook. So it made things a little more complicated. Um but it was truly one of the most memorable and one of the most beautiful times of salsa, I would say, um, culturally. Uh, the appreciation for the dance and the music was very different. I think we were so passionate um, and, and truly loved what we did. Um, and and it was a pure representation of, of culture and determination, right? So... Uh, nowadays, you know, it makes it a whole lot easier to stay at home, at the comfort of home and, you know, in your city and just be able to pull um, any dance video from a YouTube or an Instagram or a Facebook. Uh, so it, it has changed, um, just like everything, it evolved. Um, but it, it was very, very different in the sense of level of appreciation and level of commitment was extremely uh at a very different time. Wow, that's really interesting to think about because and for me, obviously, I started learning only a few years ago when social media has been huge. And I even started learning post-COVID. So I think COVID also was probably been a turning point for Salsa in the sense that you can take classes on Zoom now with studios in Colombia or in other parts of the world. So even just the the thought of having congresses is is really the main place or one of the only places that I could learn um, is terrifying to be honest because <laughs> the congress that I went to in San Francisco with you, um, yeah. you know, there's like hundreds of people in a room for these classes, and there's the instructor at the front. Sometimes they're not even on a stage. So it's really difficult to learn in those kinds of settings. So um, I never thought about how, you know, how lucky I am to be able to learn in, in this time. But at the same time, it seems like 
um, you know, maybe salsa, the the spread of salsa is so much easier, right? It's it's much easier to look at a YouTube video from your home and learn that way. But um, it seems like maybe the the level of commitment has been diluted. And it seems like maybe that's what you're alluding to in terms of going to these congresses. You get the really diehard fans, you get the performers. Um, but now that it's so much easier to learn, um, which in on one hand is is an amazing thing that the art gets spread to many more people. On the other hand, kind of the level of commitment is just lower, right? It's just a different time. Yes, definitely. And and, and thank you for, you know, reiterating that. And, and absolutely, that is exactly, you know, what's um, what we are experiencing nowadays. And, you know, I, I think definitely social media in general and the ability to be able to uh, take classes through Zoom and online is a is a is a great thing, and you know a lot of dance teachers, um, including myself, who have, you know, we we've we've de definitely taken advantage of that in the sense of, you know, we love knowing that this outlet is there, um, that we have this ability to be able to connect with people internationally, which is a beautiful thing. Um, it, it's a, it's a positive thing. And, and just like I mentioned that, you know, with change, there's always a, there's always a plus, right. And, and, and for those who don't, who can't adapt to that change and it's, you know, it's a little bit of a, a, a difficult time there. Yeah, absolutely. So Luis, I'm really curious about this decision of yours to go pro. Um, and if I'm remembering correctly, you shared an anecdote once in, in one of our rehearsals about how you're planning to go to graduate school, actually. So I'd love for you to share this story with the audience because I think it's a really beautiful one and reflects kind of your passion for, for salsa. Right. Uh, absolutely. You know, my, my time in the salsa scene uh, here in San Francisco, I am a, you know, once I commit to learning something, I am extremely I would say I'm very uh, committed to that that goal that I have set for myself. And, you know, during my time learning the dance and the culture of, of the music and realizing that the music is so impactful and so valuable uh, to many different cultures in in the Caribbean and Africa, in uh, in and now all over the world in Latin America and and in Europe as well, um, these things inspired pretty much the opportunity to dive in deeper into what music and what dance really uh, signifies. Um, so within that that passion and finding that that I wanted to explore more. I made the decision to move out to New York City. And, you know, they, at, at this time, around the 2000s, New York City is the capital of, of dance, the capital of, you know, Broadway uh, and theater, which was always a beautiful, um, it, it, it was admirable uh, for me. I, I was excited to be, you know, someday get to know some of the people who were part of these big productions and hence the move to New York City uh, where I met um, a couple of people who we acquaintances through the dance uh, world who introduced me to a, a dance school 
at the time. Um, you know, I, I moved over, relocated. I was working at UCSF at the time, and I was working for the radiology department. And I relocated uh, to Columbia Presbyterian at the time. And, you know, I asked for a transfer. This transfer happened in a matter of a month, I'd say. You know, it was that fast where I said, okay, great. Here's the opportunity. Now I get to move to the Big Apple, and here we are. Um, moved to New York City, and it was just completely different. The nightlife there in terms of the the dancing and the music that was being played was on a different level. Um, you could just tell that the love for and passion for dance was amazing it was so lively it was so intense but it was to my liking and you know i i asked a few questions around and i said hey where where can i take some classes because it's by no means when i relocated to new york that i think i'd be dancing um i just wanted to be a part of it you know the community and in the sense of social dancing and becoming more familiar with the culture and music and so I, I went social dancing to this dance studio. Uh, the name of the dance school is Dance Sport. And, you know, I, I did a social dance with one of the instructors who, you know, she she really enjoyed the dance. And she says, hey, we're looking for a, another dance teacher, another salsa dance teacher. And I said, I don't teach. <laughs> so this is this would have been my very first time uh, teaching the art of dance. And it was so inspiring just to hear, you know, the training formats that this school was offering to new teachers. And I said, maybe I can do this, you know, part-time. And, you know, when I, once I'm done with my job in the morning in the medical field, then I can just jump over to, you know, doing something else like an extracurricular activity, being that being dance and, and learning uh, the culture and music. And, you know, I became... Uh, very uh, affiliated with the studio, um, and the studio was very appreciative of the way that I could deliver the information to dancers or, or newer students um, who were learning for the very first time the dance. And, you know, to keep that this story a little shorter, uh, I meet Anya Katzevman, uh, who was an international Latin dancer, um, and we met at the studio. She was one of the dance teachers there. And we just did a collaboration. I said, hey, I'd love to learn Paso Doble from you. And she says, hey, only if you can teach me what you do, which was salsa. And our first collaboration was admirable. It was admired by many different international Latin dancers who are very particular about a style and how things look and how they're being uh, presented. And, you know, her, her brother being one of the Eugene Katzevman being one of the main contributors of, you know, you guys should continue doing this. And there's a perfect combination here of the international Latin world and a pure grown or organic salsero here. So a street style dancer with a technical uh, background dancer. Uh, so that is how the journey began. We put on showcases and we found out about this amazing competition, which was the ESPN World Salsa Championships, who at the time was uh, was organized by Mr. Uh, Albert, Albert Torres. 
And, you know, unfortunately, we lost him a few years ago, but he contributed so much to what our dance community now is. And he was one of the pioneers for what Salsa Congresses now are. He was one of the very first to start off a Salsa Congress. And, you know, set up the stage for many dancers like myself and, and dancers around the world. So bringing it back to Anya and I, we competed at this competition. And, you know, there was about 100 plus dance couples dancing on the On To New York timing or what what is called the, the new style uh, mambo. And, you know, we came in fourth that first year that we competed and we'd only been dancing, I think for about four or five months, which was impressive, um, to have that you, you place forth on top of other couples who had been dancing for many, many years. And, you know, that's really where the ambition came in. And, and I say after that competition, that's really where it kicked in where I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to quit my, my medical job and I'm going to dedicate more of my time to to dance and you know we we trained and danced for six days out of the week non-stop from morning to night and you know we entered more competitions and you pretty much changed the world of competition with our styles um but after this long you know, journey of competing and traveling the world. I, my family is based out of the San Francisco Bay Area. And yeah, I'm a family person. So I was missing my siblings. I was missing my parents. And, you know, I said, it, it's time for me to, I, I, I've done this and it's time for me to go back to my other passion, which is medical, uh, is medicine. And, you know, I, I, I planned to go to grad school for, you know, ortho, I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon, uh, hence the, the love for sports and, and, and dance. And it's just the, the two that are perfectly combined with, with the orthopedics. Um, and I made the move back to San Francisco thinking that I would be, you know, preparing myself for school and, you know, went social dancing a couple of times and just to have the support from the community here. And the interest of all the dancers where they were thrilled and excited to have me here. And everyone was asking, when are you starting a dance company? When are you starting a dance team? And by no means that I have intentions to have a dance company or a dance team. My, my dream was to now focus on, on school. And, you know, that, that continued uh, for a few months. And then I said, okay, maybe I should give this a shot and let's just see what happens. And this is where we developed Couture Dance Alliance in uh, 2012. That is when Couture Dance Alliance was uh, founded. And since then we have been around for, you know, for a few years now, I'd say, and it's been an extremely successful uh, career that Couture Dance Alliance has had here in the San Francisco Bay Area and internationally as well. Oh, that's really amazing story, Luis. And your career in dance has taken many different turns. And I'm curious now that that you are a director of Couture Dance Alliance, what has that transition been like for you? Um, dancing and teaching are very different things, but 
teaching and directing a team are also different. So what has that looked like for you personally and professionally? I think, you know, for me personally, uh, Couture Dance Alliance is my first baby, right? Any any dance company uh, founder will will tell you how meaningful it is for them to have this opportunity. For me, uh, Couture Dance Alliance signifies, you know, who I am as a person. And, you know, my, my vision for the team was always be determined, be focused, be ambitious and shoot for the stars and, and, and accomplish every single one of those goals. And that is me as a, as a person, um, that is who I am as a being. And I think that when we bring that into the professional, uh, professional world and, you know, working with different types of, uh, professionals, we had engineers, we had nurses, we had lawyers work at dancing under the, the Couture Dance Alliance family. And, you know, the delivery has to be so different for each individual. Um, for me, what that did professionally was to, to really explore, um, and dive deep into the knowledge and because you can have a lot of information, but not know how to deliver it. And for me, that's really what, you know, it helped me develop the ability to deliver this information to different groups, different age groups, different professional, uh, uh, beings and, and, and culturally, uh, as well. And what have been kind of the biggest lessons learned that you've had as a director? I'd say the biggest lessons is that not everybody operates and responds the way that you do. Um, you know, being as ambitious as I, as I was with the competitive world, I say that that was the same expectations that I had of all my dance competitive students. And the level of intensity was very, very high. Um, it was, I'd say, pretty military style. You know, we're going to do this. This is when we take our breaks. This is when we don't take breaks. So, um, you know, now it's, it's, it's definitely very different. It's a very enjoyable, friendly uh, place. There's, there's, there's deadlines, but I realize now that you know, being so, uh, military style didn't really work for everyone. And, and I realized how that approach can be a little demoralizing for some people. Um, and, and that's really where, you know, I, I, I took from my competitive years, I'd say that was the biggest lesson learned. No, that makes sense. It's not an easy thing to do to adjust your management style, right? And I think that's something that we see beyond uh, just this case, right? I've heard a lot of yeah. professionals speak about that um, and kind of learning what it is that the people that you're directing or managing really want to be doing. What are their goals? What are their desires? How do they want to learn? How do they want to be challenged and motivated, right? And 
it's such a challenging job as a manager to to not only learn what those things are, but then be able to actually adapt. That's right. That's right. It's definitely a challenge. Um, but you know, you, when life happens, you you take a step back and you say, and what I mean by that is, you know, COVID hits and you have many individuals who are were extremely impacted by it and you know the the practice of you know compassion and being patient and understanding and 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 all of those great qualities um that that you know basic principles of humans of a human being should be practiced even while teaching and it's one of those things that you know i've definitely benefited from um, and it's completely changed the style in which we guide and, and, and direct teams and, you know, to their success and to accomplish their goals now. Amazing. What about your favorite moments, Luis, as a director? What have those been? I'd say my favorite moment is when you have students who, you know, who come in there and, and give you their full trust to say, I I know I'm in the right team. I know that I'm dancing with the right, under the right direction. If that reward right there, it's just no one can take that away from you. And to see the success um, for your for your students, I I've always been the teacher that has said, you know, if you don't become better than me as a as a dancer, then I'm not doing my job. And, and that's what my best coaches always taught me. And the reward has been that to see many of the CDA, uh, Couture Dance Alliance alumni, you know, excel to, you know, traveling the world now and, and competing and winning championships and, and some even directing their own dance companies now. So that, those are the most beautiful moments and you know, just to see the success of, of the students, because that's always the, the vision and the goal as a director is just to see people succeed and, and, and be the best that they can at what they're, what they're committed to. Amazing. You know, Luis, you've been really inspiring as a director. And I think there's so much that I've taken away from the experience on Couture Dance Alliance, other than just, you know, what I've learned dancing I think one thing that I remember in particular and kind of paraphrasing here, but right before we went on stage um, at the SBK in San Francisco, you mentioned that, um, you know, really feel like you're dancing for the, for, for yourself and not for the audience. Right. And I'd love for you to share a bit about what that means to you, because that's been something really powerful for me. Yes, I, you know, when, when we're doing something that's out of our comfort zone, we tend to tense up. We tend to mentally block ourselves from, you know, the opportunity that we have, which is, you know, seize that moment, right? But what does that mean? And I think this was one of the biggest uh, things that I took from one of my coaches. And this is, uh, his name is Billy Fajardo, who has coached some of the top competitors around the world in in salsa and has worked with a lot of uh, latin dance hustle uh, dancers as well so he once said to me he says if i pay 
$300 to come to an event, I expect a $300 show. And he says, well, what does that mean? I said, because the show can be really good. He says, but still not be as powerful as it should. So the breakdown that he gave me was, he says, the mindset completely shifts and the mindset completely changes when you are doing something for someone versus when you are doing something for yourself. He says, so when you're on the stage, you have to own it, right? We hear that very, very often, own it. But the, that definition is so different for everyone. And for me, what I gathered from it was I need to be myself and I need to perform that day the same way that I am feeling that day. And it doesn't matter because people are already here to watch me dance. So the mentality was never to do the best show for people. It was always to do the best show, you know, as selfish as this does sound. I always thought about doing the best show for myself and for my dance partner. That in itself would drive the audience to you. And, you know, the, we, we found that that the best shows for her and I were those that we were so heavily involved in catering to just ourselves as beings and paying attention to how we were feeling during that showcase. So yes, you know, performing for big audiences is intimidating and it's, it's, it's overwhelming. But if you focus a lot on how the number of people that are there to watch you, you, you end up uh, tensing up and you end up in that, in that, in that vicious cycle of, oh my God, I need to do a good job. Oh my God. Right. Versus they're here to watch me dance. And that's at the end of the day establishes a more grounded, a more uh, direct approach towards your showcases. I think that's so powerful, Luis. And you know what? It's actually been really powerful for me in my life beyond dance as well, because I think something that I've struggled with is looking for external validation in my professional life. And when you really embrace this concept in other parts of your life too, it starts to make sense where I want to live for me, right? I want to live and do things that make me happy and challenge me and make me feel like I'm growing as a person and not doing these things only because I want others to kind of clap for me or uh, celebrate me or think that I'm smart or or whatever it is, right? And that's really how you find happiness and success um, is from finding that internally. And I think what's so beautiful about this is that you end up actually attracting more external um, kind of accolades when you're doing it for yourself because people see that and they can sense that, you know, this person is a really... Um, happy person they're they're really enjoying what it is that they're doing and so i think about this so much even just right. beyond dance because i think it's such an important concept to, to try and embrace in all parts of your life right right no absolutely um you know you 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 go through 
so many experiences in, 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 in your daily routine, you know, yourself with your professional job and, and then the dance form and then the training aspect of it, you know, that when you, when you establish that, that mindset where you're, you're, you're just so focused and determined on, you know, I want to be better than, than I was yesterday, or I want to be better than I was last year, last month. I think there is absolutely no room for distraction, right? And and it, in the dance, in the art world, we we can easily have those distractions where we can easily lose that that focus because there's so much happening within our communities that I think it's 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 it takes a lot of practice, a lot of skill, um, but most importantly, a lot of care, right? You you truly caring for yourself and and what is the most important for you, your being, to deliver something so beautiful. It, it requires that that attention. Absolutely, Luis. Luis, I'm curious about how you've cared for your mental health and wellness, especially during the time that you've been competing. Oh yes, it's. Um, I I can tell you that it's the competitive world is not for everyone. Um, it's you know, and that that as bold as, bold as that is, and as as direct as that sounds is as true as it is. Um, I realized that if I didn't have a competitive fight for myself, um, I, I think that as a kid, I was always, I always strived to be better than myself and while bringing others along in that success. And, you know, my preparation in, 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 baseball was a huge, a huge plus for entering the competitive world where it's, you know, I define it as a dog eat dog business, right? Where it's, you need to be better than that other person that you're going up against because that other person has probably studied your entire material and they know how to dissect every single turn variation, Sasa Shine. And that within itself, it's 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 hard if you see someone dancing your material, but better. And then you say, wow, it's, it could be a little overwhelming and intimidating in that sense. So I think the physical and mental preparation that a competitor needs to have is, is extremely, uh, it, it's a, it's a commitment that not many, um, can, can stand, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's draining. It's, it's overwhelming. And it's all of the things that, you know, uh, hard work, it, it, it's what it is. It, it's not something that you can just be extremely talented and get away with talent because it can only get you so far. So understanding that, um, you know, I, I, I practice a lot of, um, uh, different, you know, there's meditation aspect of it. There's, there's the, you know, the, the practice where, you know, yoga practice was extremely helpful for me during my competitive, uh, years, um, my religious, um, practice as well. So I'd say, you know, I always thought that the competitive or my professional world was, uh, I understood how demanding the time was. I understand how overwhelming it would be. And I went in there uh, knowing that it would be very time consuming, 
but I was prepared for it. And even when I encountered difficult times, I always reached out to the, the sources and team members that I was really familiar and, and, and trusted. Um, and my coaches played a big, big role on that. And my family, I'd say primarily my family, were the main, main contributors to keeping me balanced. And, and, and I give high praise to, to my family, uh, my, my parents, my brother and my sisters, who always, despite any of their success, they have remained humble. And they've always reminded me of that. No matter how many titles, no matter how many people, no matter how successful you are, maintain that humbleness. And what does that mean for us is always be, always acknowledge people, always be kind, always be compassionate, always be willing to help and always act, you know, on, on, a, on, on all of those things. So I believe that I had a, a pretty, you know, solid foundation there and that, that really made me, um, keep a, a good balance on my, on my mental health for sure. It was super helpful. Thanks for sharing that, Louise. I think the, the element of humility is so, so important. Um, and I've appreciated it a lot, what you've shared with me and with the team to make sure that we stay humble. One thing in particular that I won't forget is when you shared that, you know, any time that you're out social dancing and you have a chance to dance with a beginner you know keep in mind that you're you're making a, a first impression on this beginner of what salsa is going to be like right and if you're you know making a face or you're just obviously not happy to be dancing with a beginner this person might go away being like this is not for me and they might lose out on a beautiful art form that could impact them positively in their life, right? So just right. keeping in mind like these um, these elements of being kind, being humble, even when um, when you are you know more skilled than someone else, for example, um, I think are such important things to keep in mind as both an individual, but also. Um, even as a team or as a community, as a worldwide community of people who who dance salsa or who right. dance any kinds of partner dancing. Right. Right. It, it, it makes a huge impact. I think it's just like having a or meeting a person uh, for the very first time. Right. Um, that that first impression, you will never be able to take that away or, or, or change that ever. It is the solely, you, you only get that opportunity once. And I've always been a believer that no matter what, and th this is, you know, hopefully this message, you know, comes across to all of the dance communities around the world that, you know, it's extremely important to be as understanding, as compassionate, and as patient to dance with someone who is fairly new to the dance is at the end of the day, Jenna, we may not know what someone is going through, right? Maybe they're, they're uh, referring to dance as an outlet to deal with whatever they may be experiencing in their life. And, you know, it's, 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 it impresses me and it's something that's so beautiful because I do find that music always finds a way into anyone's life 
whether if you may be going through a great experience in your life or a devastating uh, situation in your life, music always finds it. Music always finds you. And it'll pull you to do something that, you know, is within those realms of let let there be sound, let there be let there be music, let there be something that moves your soul. And I think imagine if someone's having a bad day, but they wanted to go social dancing just to distract themselves from that situation they're going through in their daily. And, you know, there's there's this person who is dancing with them who doesn't seem like they're enjoying their time with this new um, dancer or new student. This, And I don't like to categorize it as a dancer or student. I say as a person and as a being, right? So I think it's extremely important to remember that, that your experience can change someone's life so drastically in a very positive or in a very negative way. So just, you know, maintain that humility and the basic human principles for sure. Luis, that's definitely something that stuck with me. Uh, thank you for sharing that also with the audience, because I think that's something that extends way beyond just dancing. Something really important to keep in mind in our daily life. That's right. Luis, I have one last question for you. I loved this episode so much and i'm so grateful that you've been here my last question for you is what is your peak mindset let me dive into this one really <laughs> the peak mindset is you know my peak mindset for I, I i'm trying to gather my my thoughts here and tell you i think preparation for my day i think preparation daily preparation for my daily routines and it's maximizing, maximizing um, my abilities. And how do I do that? There's, there's definitely where I am extremely, extremely focused on what the mission for that day, for that week, for that month is. And I think that's really when I can tap into a, an incredible, you know, artistic, creative, um, my cre artistic and creative ways where I can deliver any of the, the, the goals that I set myself to accomplish. So I think, you know, it, it takes, it takes a little bit of preparation or a lot of preparation, I'd say, uh, to reach that peak of mind for sure. Um, but once I do, it's, you know, it's extremely, um, it drives me. It's a, it's a force within me that'll just take me places that are, you know, uh, magical. Um, and I can plot out the things that are extremely necessary for the business and for my uh, professional and, and personal life. Wow. What a beautiful answer to that question. I think it's one of my favorites so far. Thank you so much, Luis. Thank you for being here. Absolutely, Jenna. Thank you for your time. And what an honor to have, you know, had this opportunity with you. And always wishing you the best of, of luck. And, you know, we'll definitely keep in touch. And thanks again for all. <laughs> <laughs>